0: Good morning, 10 past the hour here at Faith Radio. The Democratic Party is pushing to raise the minimum wage in America, and our business contributor Bill English is here to weigh in on that decision. Good morning, Bill. How are you? Good morning. Yeah, I'm good. How are you? Good. The, the uh, So the party says, the Democrats last Friday said they, they were going to add this $15 minimum wage to the party's platform, which, of course, was something being sought by Bernie Sanders and, and the labor unions. And I have a, a news release from the Democrats, and they say, uh, Democrats believe that the current minimum wage is a starvation wage and must be increased to a living wage. We should raise the federal minimum wage to $15 an hour over time and index it. Give all Americans the ability to join a union, regardless of where they work, and create new ways for workers to have power in the economy so every worker can earn at least $15 an hour. Now, Bill, a lot of Americans might be saying, well, that's that's about time. That's uh, Boy, that's a great decision. So what saith you, oh, business guru? <laughs> oh, Are we going down to King James?
1: Is that what <laughs> we're doing now? <laughs> Okay, well, saith uh-huh. I can't even do that anymore, uh-huh. and I grew up with King James. Look, um, minimum wage, um, my initial response to that kind of thing, by the way, there are people in the Republican Party advocating for this, too. It's not just the Dems, even though they're asking to put it on their uh, platform, uh, so it's not strictly a partisan issue anymore. Uh, it seems to me that if my, my initial response is that if $15 an hour is good, then why not 25 because fifteen dollars an hour translates to roughly twenty eight thousand thirty thousand a year, and for a family of four, are they really going to live on thirty thousand a year? The answer is probably not. At least not in this society. So, uh, if fifteen dollars if $15 an hour is such a good idea, then why not go to twenty five, or why not go to fifty? You know, yeah. Uh, by that logic, we could solve all poverty with a single legislative stroke, and. Um, you know, make uh, the minimum wage $50,000 a year. But the reason that we don't do that is uh, because I'm going to re- try to remember the guy's name. I think it's Dan Riser from Gravity Payments in Seattle. And he was the guy that came out uh, a couple years ago, maybe a year or two years ago. I'd have to go look it up. Who said he was going to pay all of his employees a minimum of 70000 a year, irrespective of what they did. Mm. And I don't know if you remember this. He got a lot of airplay. On, on the major networks and 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 the major cable channels, uh, but the way that he paid for that was to cut his salary from over two million a year down to several hundred thousand a year. So he took uh, and his company is maybe one hundred twenty thousand and not one hundred twenty thousand. <coughs> excuse me, one hundred twenty people. And so he just took a lot of his salary and gave it to his employees. So you know, a lot of applause. Yay, yay, yay! What a what a wonderful man this is. It's not sustainable. You can't pay uh, somebody uh, like a an, an entry-level receptionist $70,000 a year and expect to continue your to have a, a profitable business. So uh, that's my initial response uh, to this idea that somehow we have a starvation wage and we have a livable wage and there's a power inequality in our economy, and so the way that we... Uh, The way that we rebalance that power is through a minimum wage. I think the way that a person uh, rebalances power is by increasing their skill set so that they are more valuable in the marketplace. If you want to earn a lot of money in the marketplace, then by golly, uh, go get some education and go
0: do some things that increase your skill set so that you can earn those kinds of dollars. yeah, some people would would challenge that and they'd say, "Well, there are certain individuals in our society who lack the skills, the the ability to to educate themselves. They they're they're limited by, you know, whether it's uh their upbringing, their genetics, they they can only go a certain their their IQ, let's say, is limiting them and they're they're only going to be able to do a low uh, skilled job. They're only going to be able to to, you know, flip burgers or whatever it might be. Uh, and so Bill, you're suggesting that that, that they should starve? <laughs> no, what
1: I'm suggesting is that you cannot solve inequality through government action. I, I am not a guy who focuses on equality of results. I'm a guy who focuses on equality of opportunity mm-hmm. and equality before the law. And so if there is equality of opportunity and equality before the law, I think that's the best that a society can do. I don't think that you can enforce equality of results. You can't come along and say to everybody, uh, everybody's going to be equal and everybody's going to have the same outcome because if you do that, then you by definition have to devolve to the lowest common denominator. And that's what a lot of Republicans and conservatives are so unhappy about is that it takes those who are producers and it turns them into people who are just uh, not producers anymore because we're taking so much in the wealth uh, transfer from the rich to the poor or from really from the middle class to the poor. Uh, that uh, that nobody can uh, maintain that their own uh, the, the the fruits of their own work anymore, mm. so now look that's that 's not entirely the situation today, but that 's the logical end to the argument is that you would devolve everybody to the lowest common denominator
0: well and if you visited the uh, former Soviet Union and you 've seen some of those uh big gray buildings, <laughs> that you would realize that uh, the, the failed experiments of the past, and we've seen them over and over again, uh, while it might sound like a good idea, it doesn't work in real life. We'll have more with Bill English from Bibleandbusiness.com after this quick break here on the Faith Radio Network. Welcome back, 18 past the hour. This is Faith Radio. I'm Bill Meyer, my guest, Bill English of BibleandBusiness.com. Mm-hmm. The Democrats have announced that their platform, uh, which they're going to be talking about at their convention coming up, is going to include a $15 an hour minimum wage. So nobody in America, regardless of their job, would make less than 15 bucks an hour. And Bill, I know you consult a lot of businesses. I know you're a business owner yourself. Let's just talk about... What happens when the government requires an employer to pay a minimum wage like that? What's going to happen to that that business? Because I think I can sort of predict the logical flow, uh, but kind of lay it out for us. Yeah, so what happens if the
1: mandate is small, let's say it's it's a mandate to go from $9 an hour to $9.10 an hour. I don't think anybody really cares. Uh, there will be some on the right that will, uh, you know, yip and yelp in pain, but I think it's more posturing and that kind of stuff. But if it's a 40% increase, $9 an hour to $15 an hour, that's a different deal because of the uh, of the size of the mandate and, and the amount of money that uh, employers are going to have to put out. And there's basically three things that employers – Three different choices that they're going to have to make, and some kind of combination in here. So the first choice is that they are the small business owner. A is more likely to take on more work him or herself. They're they're not going to be able to just expand their payroll costs uh, willy nilly. It's not as if you know the employer has the stash of money sitting back there that they can expand payroll costs. The work still needs to get done. So in the process of either cutting hours or cutting back on the number of people that they have, the work is naturally going to accrue back to the owner, and the owner's just going to end up working longer hours. So that's the first thing, that the owner will work longer hours. But the second one is that they will cut back the hours given to these exempt employees. So if let's say that uh, today an employee is working uh, 20 hours part-time, they're making 9 bucks an hour. Um, and uh, now they got to pay him fifteen dollars an hour. More than likely, the employer is going to cut their hours to somewhere between twelve and fourteen hours. So, did the employee really benefit from this? That's the real question. And the and the answer is probably no. It's probably revenue neutral uh, to the employee because the employer uh, is not going to pay more in their payroll costs. So. Um, you have to really wonder the other thing is that if they continue to pay all of their if they if they go ahead and pay um the employee the 15 dollars an hour and keep the number of hours that they were working previously then what happens is that they just employ less numbers of people so they to, they've got to cut back
0: because there's no way they, they, get, they can they've they they got can to cut back payroll.
1: somehow because payroll itself is not going to expand uh, under uh, under a minimum wage mandate. And so that means that some people benefit from this, but other people completely lose their jobs and they don't benefit at all from this. And so you have to kind of think back and go, well, is it really helpful for uh, in this case, 40 percent of our people who are in entry level jobs or, or who are just scraping it to get by? to lose their jobs entirely so that the other 60% can have a more what is called a livable
0: wage. And that 60% is going to have a lot bigger workload in order to accomplish yeah. the things that the business yeah. needs to do. Yeah,
1: they're going to have to work harder uh, as, as well as uh, uh, getting paid more. And you would think that if you're paid more, we could expect more out of you. Um, At least that's how I would look at it if I was the business owner. So that's there. So let's say that the business owner, let's let's, let's go the third route. Let's say that the business owner increases everybody's pay and doesn't cut anybody back uh, in terms of number of hours or in terms of number of personnel. Then what's the only option left? Bankruptcy. (laughs) No, no, no. They raise prices. Oh, sure. They raise prices
0: Ah,
1: if their market will absorb it. Not all markets can. Some markets will, other markets cannot, but they will raise prices. So then this becomes an inflationary um, public policy.
0: Well, and then the other issue there, if you're making widgets and you're selling your widgets for $10 an hour, and now you've got to sell them for or $10 a widget, you've got to sell them for 15 right. But man, China's making them for 11 uh, I... well there's
1: there's there 's that right mm-hmm. i mean there 's that consideration, so you have to look at it and say from a from a vote gathering perspective it 's an effective way to coalesce a segment of our population to vote for you from a public policy perspective uh, is it really good public policy for us to say to some people, You no longer will have a job because the employer can 't afford it while we 're saying to the same Another group within the same larger group that, yeah, you're going to get paid more, and by the way, to everybody, chances are prices are going to go up as a result of this. Is that good public policy? Look, if you think it is, if you think that that's good public policy, then by golly, vote for the people who want to uh, you know raise the minimum wage. I I don't find that to be good public policy. I don't find it – Uh, to be something that um, pushes what I like, which is equality before the law and equality of opportunity. They're trying to achieve equality of results with this, and you can just never do that fairly. You can never, ever, ever achieve equality of results fairly in any society through uh, public policy. It'll Mm -hmm. never happen, not entirely. You can get there maybe some ways but not entirely. You just can't get there. Hmm.
0: That's what free markets are all about and the freedom to uh, choose your own path and to develop your own skills and uh, the law of supply and demand. That's how economies work and if you believe that utopianism is uh, going to be effective, just read some history books. <laughs> yeah.
1: And you know what? Our only utopia – I know we got to wrap up here – but our only utopia is Jesus Christ. No matter what we do, we will have a fallen system on this side of heaven, and it's going to take a revival for us to even begin to experience some of, of the goodness that God intends through the free market and through uh, individual liberty. I'm glad you wrapped it up
0: that way, Bill, because that's really what it, it boils down to. We do live in a fallen world, and we're going to suffer the consequences of that throughout our lifetime. Yeah. Uh, we want to redeem culture the best ways we can. And and sounds like uh, the way that some are suggesting it is not going to take us forward, but take us backward. Twenty-five past the hour. Bill English, thanks so much for your time today. You bet.